Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann, and I, I do this podcast to invest in the move of God that's happening in our five state region of South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And today I'm going to play a video for you, uh, actually the audio recording of a video that I recorded on my YouTube channel. And I want to encourage you to check that out. If you would like to actually see the video version of this, you can go to the Five State Revival YouTube channel. And I got all kinds of videos on there and um, on things like the Great Commission and prayer. And uh, I had this playlist that I'm going to continue today, The End Times for Beginners. So The End Times for Beginners is a playlist that I just have, have been putting together. It's a series of short videos, just giving you a biblical understanding and an introductory biblical understanding of what the Bible says concerning the end times, which this is just a passion in my heart. I think it's so important that the body of Christ uh, throughout the earth gets equipped with um, the understanding of the prophetic scriptures about the end times, because I believe we are coming into these days right now. And it's really, really important that we understand what the Bible says concerning it so we can participate in what God is doing and, um, and, and overcome the evil one. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this. The topic of this one is what is, um, the abomination of desolation. And a quick testimony on this. I'm going to talk about the mark of the beast and things like that in this video as well. What, what is that? But you know what? Just the other day, just yesterday, in fact, I was having a conversation with a, with a couple young men. And he, one of them asked me the question. He says, um, what is the mark of the beast? And from that question, I was able, we looked at Revelation 13. I explained to him what it was. And I was able to actually, from that conversation, explain the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah to him. And just the anointing of the spirit was there. And he was just, the young men were just listening and they were understanding it. They were getting it. They were seeing that there's two kingdoms you can choose to be a part of. You can be a part of the kingdom of God by serving Jesus or be a part of the kingdom of darkness and end up being opposed to Jesus. And you have to make a choice and there are eternal consequences for which uh, which side we, we choose to be on. And I just asked them if they wanted to serve Jesus. And they were like, yes, we want to serve Jesus. And I said, have you been baptized? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, it's one of the first things Jesus says to do for, for those who are going to leave the rebellion and follow him as their Lord is to be baptized as the beginning of their new way of life and the end of their old way of life apart from him. And uh, they were like, yes, I want to do it. So actually tomorrow, as of the day of this recording, tomorrow, I'm meeting them and uh, going to be baptizing them. So awesome. But I, I just, I wanted to share that because some people are like, why does it really matter? The end time scriptures, you know, can you really understand them? And why do they really matter? But you know what? Like the, the book of Revelation uh, says this, uh, and I'm saying this from the top of my head, so I hope I quote it accurately. But uh, it basically, it says that the, um, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And the truth is, is like all the, the storyline that's being told 
in these end times prophetic scriptures, it's the story of Jesus. It's the, it's the, um, from the old Testament all the way through the book of revelation. It's the story of Jesus rescuing and redeeming fallen human beings, bringing them to himself and restoring the earth from the effects of sin and ruling the nations. It's the testimony of Jesus. And so when we understand the storyline and even the end time parts of the storyline, it actually equips us to more fully understand the testimony of Jesus and then be able to convey it to others. Because as we move into the last days before Jesus returns, the opportunities uh, for explaining the gospel to people and leading them to Jesus are going to dramatically increase. As people, they're going to be wondering what is happening in the earth. We know that something is up and they're going to be searching for the truth. And those of us who have understanding of what the Bible says concerning the testimony of Jesus, the storyline of scripture, will be equipped to lead many to righteousness. So anyway, I hope you enjoy uh, listening to this and we'll get straight into it right after this word from our sponsors. Hey guys, uh, thank you for watching this video. This is going to be session 14 of the End Times for Beginners course. And this is a series of short videos uh, giving you a basic introduction to what the Bible says concerning the end times. And so this video is may take a little bit longer um, than some of the other videos that are in this playlist uh, because I'm talking about a very, 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 uh, I cannot exaggerate that enough. This is a very important uh, end time event that the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. And I, this, you know, this is debatable, but I would, I would say this may be, the abomination of desolation may be the most uh, important end time prophetic signpost to, to know about and, 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 and when it happens because of, of the significance of everything that happens after this event called the abomination of desolation. So it's important to be familiar with it. That's why I'm just going to, I'm going to let myself have fun. I'm just going to take however long it takes. You can push pause and come back and watch the video later if it's too long for you. But I just want to get it all out there. And because uh, I want to look at Revelation 13. I want to take time to just work our way through Revelation chapter 13, you know, talking about the abomination of desolation. I got a lot of scriptures, but I want to see in Revelation 13, some of the events that surround the abomination of desolation, like the mark of the beast and things like that. So this is going to be important, and I, I encourage you to, uh, yeah, just watch the whole video, even if it takes a little bit long, and even if you have to do it in several different settings. So uh, what is the abomination of desolation? I want to start off, I just want to read several Bible verses that talk about this event, the abomination of desolation. Daniel 9, 27. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, it's talking about the Antichrist, the terrible deeds of the Antichrist that I talked about the Antichrist in the last session, so you can go back and watch that if you haven't seen it yet. But as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object, an abomination, that causes desecration or of desolation until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Then Daniel 11, verse 31, his army, the Antichrist army, will take over the temple fortress. This is, 
the Jerusalem, the, the Jewish temple in the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem in Israel, uh, it's going to be rebuilt before before this moment happens. The abomination of desolation. It has to be rebuilt, and uh, when, because what the anti when you the antichrist it, it can't happen unless there's a. a a Jewish temple in Jerusalem for it to happen. So uh, he, his army, there's come a day with the Antichrist army, he's actually going to take over uh, the temple fortress. He will pollute the sanctuary and he will put a stop to the daily sacrifices and he will set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Notice that phrase. He's going to set up a sacrilegious object that causes much or leads to much desecration or desolation. In other words, it's an abomination. It's a sacrilegious object. It's an abomination to God that will cause massive amounts of desolation uh, in the earth. And so um, anyway, notice it says he'll put a stop to the daily sacrifices uh, because when this time comes, the Jewish temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem and they will actually resume uh, making animal sacrifices. But the Antichrist will, will stop that, as we saw in this verse. So Daniel 12, verse 11, let's read this. From the time that the daily sacrifice is stopped, here it is again, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped. <clears throat> there will be 1,290 days. And uh, that's, that's, that's approximately, that's a three and a half year period. So from the time that the Antichrist comes into the temple, Jerusalem temple with his army, he stops the, Jew, the daily sacrifices and he sets up this object uh, to be worshipped um, there uh, standing in the holy place. Uh, there will be uh, 1,290 days. That's what it says. I'm going to read it again. I, I was confusing. I got confused on that. I'm going to read it. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days, in other words, until the end, until, I believe, the return of the Lord happens. Um, so be, once this happens, the abomination of desolation, and that image is set up you know, in the Jerusalem temple, there's going to be 1,290 days, about three and a half years before Jesus returns at that point. So we only got three and a half years left on the timetable once this happens. Then it says in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. We just read it. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Then in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4. In other words, Jesus confirmed. He's like, hey, go back and read what Daniel said. That sacrilegious object thing that the Antichrist sets up in the Jerusalem temple to be worshipped. That's a real thing. That's actually going to happen. And, he, and he's giving instruction to his disciples. He says, when you see that happen, when that takes place, and then he gives them specific instructions uh, um, for what to do when that takes place if you're living uh, in the area of Jerusalem. So he goes on, and then in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4, the apostle Paul talked about it as well. He said, the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed, will be revealed. The one who brings destruction, there's that word again, desolation, destruction. Um, and then it says this, he will exalt himself 
and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit, here it is, in the temple of God. So we see the same language, claiming that he himself is God. Um, that's, that's what the Apostle Paul said. And then finally, um, I'm going to get into Revelation 13 here, but let me just say this, and then I'll start working my way through Revelation 13. Here, as I understand it, when I when I read the scriptures and I put these passages together, what is the abomination of desolation? As I understand it, uh, the Antichrist uh, will actually take his armies by force. He will uh, take over the temple fortress in the city of Jerusalem that's going to be rebuilt. He's going to stop the daily animal sacrifices that are being made there by the Jewish people. And then he's going to set up an image uh, uh, that and, and proclaim himself to be God and demand that people will worship him as God in the Jerusalem temple. God calls this an abomination because, of course, he's not God. And, and God calls this an abomination that causes desolation because it will lead to massive widespread desolation, um, which we'll get into uh, in future sessions. We'll look at those scriptures. But um, I want to just look at Revelation chapter 13 because I believe what we're reading about in this chapter actually uh, is a description of the abomination of desolation. It says, then I saw a beast. Now, this is not referring to the Antichrist. When it says a beast in this verse, it's talking about the empire uh, or the coalition of 10 nations that the that is controlled or led by the Antichrist. And it's so it's like a beast here refers to the empire that the Antichrist leads. Later on, it will refer to the man, the Antichrist. But in this reference, a beast refers to not the man, but the empire that the man leads. I hope that made sense. So then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and 10 horns with 10 crowns on its horns and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion and the dragon that's Satan, by the way. The dragon is Satan. If you read the chapter before, Revelation chapter 12, it says that. And the dragon gave the beast. Now, the beast in this verse is talking about not just the empire, but the Antichrist himself. And it says, the dragon Satan gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. And I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. Now, there's massive, important stuff to talk about in all these verses I just read. I'm just trying to go fast, so I'm not going to get into all that because I'm trying to keep this simple. Uh, next sentence. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast or the Antichrist. They worshipped the dragon, that's Satan, who's empowering the Antichrist. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast, the Antichrist, such power. And they also worshipped the beast saying, who is, um, who is as great as this, as the beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? Because he's going to come to power as a man of war. He is going to aggressively attack with military might and power. And, you know, the nations of the earth are going to be like, who can stop him? Honestly, he's, he's so powerful. No one's going to be able to stop him. So they'll actually, many of them will worship him. And it's, so then that's the reason. They, they worship the beast saying, who is as great as this beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? Verse five, then the beast or the antichrist 
was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do, this is terrifying, whatever he wanted for 42 months. It's interesting. Like, I, I love the way that these Bible, the Bible gives, says three and a half years uh, in different ways just to say, no, literally, this is a three and a half year time period. It's three and a half years, 1,290 days, 42 months, all of it. It's that three and a half year time period from the time that the abomination of desolation happens to the time when Jesus returns and defeats the Antichrist. Verse 6, and he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And this this is a serious verse that we need to take heart because the 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 antichrist the beast he's empowered by satan and satan has rage for the jewish people but also for the for the saints the followers of jesus and he is going after them with everything he has in his arsenal and the beast the antichrist is possessed with this satanic rage against God's holy people. And he is going to use all of his resources and military might and to attack uh, and, and destroy the people of God. I mean, there's going to be massive amounts of persecution um, that are going to take place. And it, it's going to be like, it, it's going to have the backing of one of the most, maybe the most powerful government that's ever existed. It's the Antichrist Empire. Okay. Um, anyway, so he was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them, meaning, uh, there are, there are going to be many followers of Jesus who are actually killed by the antichrist and by his armies. And we're going to be persecuted. Uh, many of them will kill, be killed. Not all of us, you know, there will be many who survive and the antichrist doesn't find and will be alive at the time Jesus returns to the earth. And, um, but there are going to be many who, uh, are killed by the antichrist. And, but here's, here's what I want to, um, emphasize about that. He overcomes the saints physically, but we overcome him spiritually just like Jesus did on the cross. You know, in the chapter before, it says that, um, that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they loved not their lives unto the death. Actually, in the same way that, that, um, that Satan uh, you know, attacked Jesus and he was crucified, and God, it was within the will of God, actually. It was, it was actually God's plan to bring salvation uh, to the earth, and it was God's plan for Jesus uh, to defeat Satan and take back authority over the planet uh, that was given to Satan by Adam in the beginning. Um, it was so interesting, God's plan. I mean, God's plan is like, Jesus is going to go to the cross. Satan thinks he's taken Jesus to the cross. He's taken him down. But in that very act of submitting to the death and submitting to the cross and staying faithful to God, Jesus actually overcame Satan and took the keys uh, of, of death, hell, and the grave away from him. And so in similar uh, manner, at the end of the age, uh, there is going to be a massive attack against believers, the, led by the Antichrist, empowered by Satan, who will 
kill many followers of Jesus, but actually by laying down our lives and not denying Christ, where we're just saying, no, I'm not going to worship I don't care how many false miracles you do. I don't care if you threaten my life. I don't care if you let me buy anything or don't buy anything. I worship the one true God, and Jesus is the Christ, and I only worship him. And the Antichrist would be like, you will bow down. You will renounce that. You will worship me. The false prophet will be you know, promoting that. It'd be backed by the power of Satan. And the Antichrist would be like, if you don't do it, I'll kill you. And we'll say, kill us then. But actually, by holding to our testimony... And by loving not our lives to the death, we actually overcome the evil one uh, in that day. And so let me just keep reading. And he was given, the Antichrist, authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. So in other words, this guy is going to have massive uh, influence in the earth. He is going to have great authority. And he's going to be able to accomplish a lot of the demonically inspired things that are a part of his agenda. He won't accomplish all of them, and in the end, he's going to be defeated. And his reign of tyranny, praise the Lord, is just going to be a short three-and-a-half-year window, but it's going to be an intense three-and-a-half years. So it says, verse 8, And all the people who belong to this world worshipped the beast. They will actually worship the Antichrist. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity. I'm just going to say this. We need to pay attention. When when God says, hey, pay attention. Whoever has an ear, let him hear. Uh, that means, hey, what I'm about to say is a very important thing for you not to miss. So pay attention to this. Here's the warning, and we need to heed the warning because this is a warning for those who are alive in the generation that the abomination of desolation takes place, and many believers are being killed by the Antichrist and his armies, and there, there, my guess is there's going to be a temptation to rise up in physical force, you know, some militia or something like that as followers of Jesus and try to like defeat the Antichrist and his armies in a, in a physical militia type of way with worldly, using worldly weapons. And that is, and, and this is the warning. He says, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. In other words, if you're, if you're mobilizing some militia and you're trying to, you know, take antichrist people from the antichrist army whatever it is take them captive hold them hostage you know fight fire with fire using those weapons to try and overcome the antichrist it's doomed to failure and then it says he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword so in other words uh, you know god is saying here he's like that is not the pathway in this season of history that final three and a half years the great tribulation after the abomination of desolation the pathway to victory for for, for the saints is not going to be organizing militias and trying to defeat the antichrist armies that way that is those who do that will be taken captive and they'll be killed that's what this warning is saying here in verse 10 so what does that mean the next sentence this means that god's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful you know there's there's a temptation i i felt it before you know when you see like um just evil people doing evil things you know to want to rise up in some you know militia might or something like that but but god's like that is not the pathway to victory that is a pathway to it plays right into the devil's hands you will be destroyed why 
because it was granted. It says up in verse, uh, where did I read that? He, uh, verse 7, and the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Who allowed the Antichrist to wage war against the saints and conquer them and even kill them? Who allowed it? God. God's the one who has authority. It was for this season in history to accomplish God's purposes, which is to destroy the works of the devil and overcome the Antichrist and usher in the return of Jesus. God allows for a brief season, that three and a half year period, God allows the Antichrist to wage war against the saints and even be successful to a degree in killing in killing them, in killing many of them. And, and so... To try and resist him with military might is to resist God in that season. It plays right into the devil's hands. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. And uh, since I'm taking my time on this video, uh, I'm just going to I'm going to talk about this for a little bit. And I, I want to talk about an illustration to ex explain this. Is Peter before Jesus was cru crucified? You know, Peter was zealous for Jesus. He was loyal to Jesus. Jesus is warning the disciples. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to be arrested. Uh, I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day I'll rise from the dead. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. And uh, Jesus warned, rebuked Jesus for that. He's like, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. You're not going to die. You're not going to be arrested. You're going to reign as king. You're going to be the Messiah. And then um, Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, you have not in mind the things of God, but the things of man. He's like, you're thinking carnally minded, Peter. You, you don't even know what this is all about. I have to die to save you so you can be in my kingdom forever when I rule on the earth. I have to do this. This is the plan of God. And it's going to look like I'm being defeated. But in reality, I am overcoming and the enemy is being defeated by this. You'll understand it later. And God, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has come to me and he's desired to sift you like wheat. And um, and Peter just did, and Peter's like, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'll never deny you. Jesus is like, you're going to deny me. All of you are going to run from me. You're going to deny me. And Peter's like, I would never do it, Lord. And then Jesus says, listen, tonight before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter just wouldn't hear the warning. He was like, no, not me, not me. I'm with you. I'm zealous. I'm loyal all the way. So what happens? They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is preparing himself for the spiritual battle by prayer, by praying. He's crying out. He's sweating drops of blood. He's like, God, if it's possible to do this any other way, you know, take this cup from me if possible. But listen, but not my will, but yours be done. And what? And, and he tells Peter and the disciples, he's like, guys, you, this is a spiritual storm coming and you have no idea. You're asleep in the garden and you're not preparing your heart. You need to be preparing for the storm that is coming. Like you, you don't even know what's about to hit you and you're not prepared for it. And he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And it's interesting, the exhortation that Jesus gives to us, the followers of Jesus, when he talks about the end times, he says, watch and pray. The exact same exhortation. He's like, you prepare prepare to win this epic spiritual battle. It's going to be the, the spiritual, the climactic spiritual battle of all the ages. The way we will overcome is not by the weapons of the flesh, but by using our spiritual weapons, we have to prepare spiritually to win this battle. And so, um, 
Jesus tells them, watch and pray, but they fall asleep. All of a sudden, what happens? Now, this is the key point I want you to get. Suddenly, the storm breaks into the garden. The troops arrive, they arrest Jesus, and Peter, he is loyal to Jesus. He was sincere, but because he didn't recognize that it was a spiritual battle that was not going to be won with physical weapons, he takes out his sword and actually cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers who are coming to arrest Jesus. You know, Peter's thinking, he's like, I'm going to rise up like King David, you know, I'm going to cut off, I'm going to destroy this army and do great exploits, this military might, and and Jesus, he's going to be the king. And, and Jesus stops him. He says, stop. And then he heals the guy's ear. And then Peter's confused and he leaves. And sure enough, that night, he denies three times that he knows Jesus. And here's the thing. It's like what Peter and the disciples didn't understand is that it was the will of God that Jesus be given over. Like Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Jewish leaders were given authority by God. Was Satan involved in it? Absolutely. Satan was stirring them up. He was licking his chops. He was, he was, he didn't know what was happening. He was thinking, I've got him. I'm defeating Jesus. But it was God who gave permission and allowed Jesus. Jesus was like, don't you know that I could right now call legions of angels and my father would send them and I'd be delivered. I don't have to go to the cross. It's the will of my father that I go to the cross to overcome the evil one and win the right to govern the nations as king and purchase the salvation of mankind. This is the pathway, the father's pathway to victory is that I submit to the cross and to this persecution and and in doing so, I will overcome. And in the same way, at the end of the age, this final three and a half year period, it's the same dynamic type of dynamic that's happening. And God's people, many of them are going to be killed and there's going to be a great persecution. But we are, he may, the Antichrist may overcome us physically by killing us. But listen, as soon as we die, we go to be with the Lord in heaven. I mean, think about that. At this point in history, there's only three and a half years left until until um, Jesus returns and he reigns, rules the nations forever. You know, it's like, like, like why are we going to, uh, why it would be foolish is what God is saying to try and stir up some kind of militia and attack the enemy in that way using carnal weapons that would be, that will be unsuccessful in that season. That's what God says right here. It's a warning and we need to heed the warning because we're, again, we're not going to over... Thanks for being patient. I know I'm belaboring this point, but, you know, but Jesus said, hey, if you got ears to hear, hear. So this is an important point. So it's worth belaboring. We will not overcome the Antichrist with physical weapons. We will overcome him with spiritual weapons that will usher in the return of Jesus. Listen, who will physically conquer the Antichrist and the false prophet and have them all locked away in the, in the lake of fire forever and ever. So there is a physical military victory that's going to defeat the Antichrist, but it's not going to be the saints who are doing the physical part of that. We use the spiritual weapons. Jesus returns with the armies of heaven and physically slays the Antichrist and his armies. So let me continue. In Revelation 13, this is verse 11. It says, then I saw another beast. Now, this is referring to the false prophet. In other words, it's not the beast referring to the Antichrist. It's another beast besides him uh, referring to the false prophet. It says, I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. In other words, he will his speech will be satanically empowered. 
uh, he will be able to, through his speech, you know, I don't know if he'll be giving speeches, you know, like whatever it is, but somehow through his speech, his voice will be demonically empowered to deceive and to persuade people to worship the Antichrist as God. So he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the, the authority of the first beast, which is the Antichrist. And he required, this is the key, talking about the abomination of desolation. He required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast. Now, he's not going to be able to enforce this in every single place all over the earth because, uh, you know, three and a half years, Jesus returns and cuts this thing short. But in a, he will be able to, he will enforce it in many, many places. And um, he will require that everybody worship the beast. And if they don't, they'll be killed. And it says, uh, to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Verse 13, he did, the, the false prophet, he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. I mean, that's intense. That's a real miracle. That's not going to be like an illusion. That would be the re- that would be fire flashing down from the sky. He will do astounding miracles. And with all the miracles, he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast he deceived all the people who belong to this world. And he ordered the people to make a great statue. Now, I believe this is talking about the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about and that Paul talked about and that Jesus referred to. You know, where they set up, a, remember, a sacrilegious object that causes desecration to be worshipped in the Jewish temple. And so here it is. It says, um, he set up, I lost my spot. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast, of the Antichrist, who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. Verse 15, he was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Just like this is literal. He's going to actually, there's going to be a statue created. I believe it's going to be put in the Jewish temple, this uh, set up in the Jewish temple. He's going to stop the daily sacrifices that the Jewish people are doing to worship Yahweh. And he's going to say, nope, your Antichrist is going to say, I'm God. The false prophet is going to have um, a, a statue of the Antichrist made, an image of the stat- Antichrist made, and it will be demonically empowered to somehow speak. And these signs and wonders, it says, then the statue of the beast commanded. So this is interesting. The statue that he makes, that the, that the people make, will be demonically empowered. It will speak. It will ha- it will seem like it has a sense of life of its own. And the statue itself will speak and command that anyone refusing to worship it must die. Remember, that's the Antichrist because it's it, worship it. It's made in the image of the Antichrist. He required everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. And in other words, there's no exceptions to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And uh, in other words, you know, uh, you know, that's that's important information that we need to know that I think John's kind of like, man, I, you know, I didn't get absolute on clarity, clarity on exactly um, what the mark of the beast was, but he says, here's some clues 
that will help you when the time comes and it shows up, you'll recognize, you know, what this thing is. And so it gives us some clues. But but here's here's what I want to say about this. I believe that this is the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about. I believe the Antichrist will, um, along with the false prophet, they will create an image. They'll set it up in the Jewish temple uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, they will stop the, the animal sacrifices that are happening, the Jewish sacrifices, and he will set up an image that will be demonically empowered, and he will demand that everybody in the earth worship him, or uh, they will be killed if they don't worship him. And he actually said, nobody will be able to buy or sell. And and then he, I got to say this, and then as a, when you read this in context, the mark of the beast he says everybody's going to be at this time, at that time in history, they'll be required to have a mark, the mark of the beast, on their right hand or on their forehead, showing their loyalty that they are that they are worshiping the antichrist, showing their allegiance to the antichrist, and then, um, and so that's going to be the situation at that time. The abomination of desolation is set up. Nobody's going to be able to buy or sell anything. You can't buy food, anything like that, unless they have the mark of the beast beast they won't be able to do business but getting the mark of the beast it's not some accidental thing it's not even some um you know some some mark or chip or tattoo or something like that that's like forced on somebody where they like you know they find a christian and pin him down and tattoo 666 on his forehead or something like that and oh no now i've got the mark of the beast ah that's not it it's directly connected to their willingness to vault to worship the antichrist as god it's when they say you know what I can't buy or sell without this mark. So I got to worship the Antichrist to get this mark. Then I can buy and sell, and then I won't be killed. So there'll there'll be many, many people who will say, I'll just do it. And plus, there'll be many that are actually convinced that he is God because of the false signs and wonders. They will bow down. They will worship the Antichrist. They will voluntarily take the mark of the beast on the right hand, their forehead, whatever it is. Then they'll be able to buy and sell and things like that. And uh, so this is an abomination to God. Uh, that leads to massive amounts of desolation because there will be many people, like the saints, who will not bow down and worship the beast. Will say, you know what? I'm not. I'm not worshiping the beast. I don't care if 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 you won't let me buy or sell, and I don't care if you kill me. Like Jesus Christ is Lord. I worship Him alone. And there will be those who even aren't born again on the earth who will just. The Bible talks about. We'll talk about this more later in future sessions. But there will be a remnant of people on the earth who they're not born again, but they also won't take the mark of the beast. They won't uh, agree to worship Satan or to worship the Antichrist, you know, as God. And so um, there'll be some of those as well. But many, many people on the earth will be deceived and will take the mark of the beast for practical selfish reasons so that they can uh, engage in business and so they don't get killed, of course, you know, is a, is a reason that many of them will do this. So anyway, that's the mark of the beast. I, I hope that's helpful uh, in just giving kind of an introductory understanding to what the abomination of desolation is and even the mark of beast and how that's kind of connected to that and um yeah hope that makes sense to you i, I want to just end by reading a couple scriptures talking about what is god answering the question what is god doing in the church during this time period during the that final three and a half years during the abomination of desolation and that the, the, the three and a half years after it before jesus returns you know, because we've, we've read a lot of information in these little snapshot passages that tell us what the devil is doing. Like Revelation 13 shows us what the devil is doing at this time period. Revelation 14, 
what tells us what God is doing during this time period. And so I encourage you to read Revelation 14 because God's doing some awesome stuff like great harvest and powerful gospel proclamation is happening in the earth. Um, That's in Revelation 14 and that's happening. So the church is living in victory. We're resisting the devil. We're proclaiming Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're coming, we're becoming mature in love and in holiness and consecration to God. Like the bride is making herself ready and Jesus will even use these conditions these harsh, intense conditions to actually cause, help the bride of Christ break free from our love of the world and give ourselves fully in devotion to Jesus and loving one another so that at the end, the bride will have made herself ready and be worthy to rule the nations with Jesus. Um, I want to just end by reading a couple scriptures What is it that answer the question, what is God doing in the church during that time period? In Daniel 11, it says, uh, 31 through 35, his army, the Antichrist army, will take over the temple fortress. I already read that part to you. Pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices, and set up the religious object that causes desecration. In other words, the abomination of desolation. But listen to this, verse 32. What is God doing? It says, the Antichrist will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. In other words, he will, um, the Antichrist will flatter people and he will uh, win over through intrigue. Uh, he will win over people in the earth to agree with him to attack the Jewish people that they don't belong in the land. The covenant that God made with Abraham that that land would belong, Jerusalem in particular, would belong to uh, to the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, forever and ever and ever. And uh, the Antichrist will, of course, attack the Jewish people and try to kill them and exterminate them out of the land and take it over. And he will flatter people through intrigue and win them over uh, to his cause to to violate the, the Abrahamic covenant and get the Jewish people out of the land. But here's the good part. But the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. I love that. There is going to be such grace that the Holy Spirit is releasing in his people in this time of history that the people who know their God, that's that intimate union with God, those who are walking in the Spirit, those who know Jesus, it says they will be strong. Like God is going to give us the strength to stand up to the Antichrist, to resist him, to love not our lives of the death, to give the good confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord until the very end, even when it costs us our lives, and we'll receive great rewards forever. Like, I wonder sometimes, because I've never experienced physical persecution, but I you know, read stories of those who do, and I think, God, if I'm ever in that situation, will I have the strength, the inner, the strength in my inner man from the Holy Spirit to stand strong and not compromise uh, in not give in to fear. And the good news is that God says those who know their God in this season of history, they're going to be strong. And I love this, they will carry out great exploits. And they'll be doing awesome things. I think like what we saw, the miracles in the book of Acts, like Acts chapter nine, where, uh, you know, a couple, several miracles happen and in couple entire towns come get saved like everybody in the place gets saved you know acts chapter 19 in ephesus paul goes there and in two years it's like um so many people got saved and there are massive revival and signs and wonders and they are going to be great exploits like that the, the works of jesus 
that are carried out by the people of God, even during this final three and a half year season. So you got the Antichrist raging against the saints, but you have the saints strong in the Holy Spirit, knowing God and walking in the power of the Spirit, doing great exploits that glorify God, preaching the gospel with uh, supernatural power. There'll be a special release of the power of God on the gospel proclamation that's designed specifically for that season. You can read that in Revelation chapter 14, the next chapter. But then it says, verse 33, wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers, so it's, it, God's going to raise up wise leaders throughout the body of Christ who will have the wisdom of God and will be able to lead God's people because they, they, they have a they understand the times. You know, they, they know what God is doing and they know how to walk in victory and they'll be able to instruct the people. It says they'll give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword or they will be jailed and robbed. In other words, it says during these persecutions, little help will arrive and many who join them will not be sincere. In other words, it's like uh, they're going to be massively persecuted by the Antichrist like we just saw, but uh, they're going to give instruct to many, yet they'll be persecuted, and some of them will die, and some of them will live, and some of them will be arrested and put in prison, etc. And it says during these persecutions, little help will come. In other words, there's not going to be a lot of nations coming along and saying, hey, we're going to help rescue you from the Antichrist because uh, they're all afraid of him, and they can't overcome him. It says, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere. And some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, this is what God is doing through all this. They will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. In other words, that till Jesus returns three and a half years later, God is going to use this persecution and these intense circumstances to actually refine and cleanse and purify his bride and make us ready to rule the nations with him when he returns in three and a half years. And the last scripture I want to read, and I end with this. Daniel 7. Daniel said, As I watched, this horn, it's the Antichrist, was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them. It's the same language as Revelation there. Verse 26, but then the court will pass judgment. That's the, the court of heaven that the Father God presides over. It says the court will pass judgment and all the Antichrist power will be taken away and completely, completely destroyed. Listen to this. This is the good news. Then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to who? the holy people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, will last forever and all the rulers will serve and obey him. I love this ending. It's like the Antichrist is raging. Believers, the saints are being put to death, but then the Father makes a decree. Jesus returns, completely destroys the Antichrist and his armies. And then the one who has authority over the nations, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it will be it will rule all the nations. It says every kingdom under heaven. He'll rule them all in partnership with the very saints that were just martyred. I, I this 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 is a beautiful storyline. And when I think of the end times, I think of great revival, 
but I also think of great shaking. It's going to be the best of times and the worst of times, so to speak. Uh, But Jesus is going to return, and Jesus and the saints are going to be victorious and rule the nations together in love, in partnership, forever and ever and ever. So listen, I'd love to hear questions that you have. You know, uh, uh, some of these videos, I'm trying to answer your questions at the end of them that you have about the end times. So if there's something I talked about in this video that makes you have a question, um, you know, you can leave your question in the comment section below this video um, or you can email me at five state revival at gmail.com so it's the number five state revival at gmail.com and uh, and hopefully maybe on a future video I'll answer your question and um, I appreciate you interacting with me like that so guys thank you so much for watching this video um, please like it if you enjoyed this video please like this video and then subscribe to my YouTube channel and share this video with other people that you think it would be helpful you know I, there's there's a lot of especially in the mark of the beast there's a lot of con- fear and confusion related to the mark of the beast uh, going around in the earth you know they're like ah you know people are afraid they're going to somehow accidentally get the mark of the beast and um and that's not what it is at all and and you know if you know somebody like that i think this video would probably be helpful for them just to put them at rest like hey it, the mark of the beast isn't going to sneak up on you you're going to know what it is it's going to be a massive worldwide event antichrist is demanding to be worshiped in the jewish temple false prophet miraculous false signs and wonders the the statue the image set up there and you know it's 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 not going to be something that like oops i didn't know that was happening it's going to be clear uh what's going on at that time so anyway guys thanks for listening subscribe to my channel and share the video with others god bless you Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five State Revival Podcast. Listen, if you can take a few minutes and just subscribe to my podcast and then go and leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to it on um, about the podcast, that would be awesome. And then share it with somebody else that you think it would be a blessing to. I appreciate you guys uh, listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. God be with you.